Now, something, something we didn't do, because I, didn't, I should have prepared for that, is that uh, the crowd also uh, laid down coats or cloaks in front of Jesus as, as he came through. And all of that, including the, the waving of the palm branches, is the way that kings or people who are victorious in battle, uh, great, uh, great warriors, would be welcomed uh, into a city when they had accomplished something great. You can actually even find uh, references to Alexander the Great being welcomed in a very similar way to the way Jesus was welcomed on Palm Sunday after he'd conquered some other city and then would be coming back uh, into Greece. The same kind of thing would happen. So it's common in the ancient world. And um, so that's kind of an interesting thing and kind of neat to see that. I wanted to share with you a couple of things this morning about some connections that are in this story um, about Palm Sunday. The most obvious one is there's a prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And it says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And isn't that interesting? That's exactly what happens on Palm Sunday. Jesus, who is the king and who's named as righteous, and victorious, and then also named as humble. And so here you have all of the things going on that would be about a victorious king. But Jesus is riding on a donkey, not on a horse. So he's making himself humble, but at the same time, he's a victorious king. So we get to the victory next week on Easter, don't we? Right? So, and Jesus is victorious over different things than, than people who fight battles. Jesus is victorious over sin and over death and brings complete and full life to us. And so that's the way in which Jesus is victorious in a very different way than what we would expect from a conquering king. He does it, though, through humility, right? So this week is uh, Jesus' journey to the cross where he humbles himself even to the point of death, to be raised again on the third day. We've uh, had a series that's been going on during Lent on the servant songs, and we've seen throughout those servant songs that the servant suffers. And we got this mix in the servant songs of both humility and glory uh, taking place in those servant songs. And that continues on Palm Sunday, and Jesus starts to play this out during Holy Week, right? We get this mix of glory and humility that takes place during this week. Um, we have a servant that rides in on this donkey, a servant king. He's victorious, but he's humble, and God's victory is going to come through him, but it's going to be unexpected in a different sort of way. Now, there's other connections in this story as well, besides the prophecy from Zechariah, that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about. The first is actually a connection to the story about Jesus' birth. And we know this story really well, right? We know the Christmas story really, really well. But I want to remind you of, uh, of a verse that happens in the Christmas story that we know quite well, and we even will sing it at Christmas time sometimes, and it's what the angels say to the shepherds when there's this whole host of angels. They say, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. We recognize that from Christmas, from the angels. 
Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. And that's in a whole bunch of Christmas carols, isn't it? But what does the crowd shout? We all shouted Hosanna, which was very good that we did that, because it wasn't even in our story from Luke. That's in John. Um, but we heard it from Luke, where they don't say Hosanna, out, or it's not recorded here. But this is what's recorded, or part of what they say. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Sounds a little bit like what the angels said, right? The angels were talking about the glory of God and, um, and peace coming to earth. And now, on our lips, on the lips of the crowd as Jesus enters Jerusalem, we're saying a very similar thing. Peace in heaven and glory to God in heaven. The same kind of thing. It reminds us maybe of that announcement of the angels, of the, the story of Jesus' birth. And, and what do we get in the story of Jesus' birth? We get this mix of glory and humility or humbleness, right? He's born uh, and laid in a manger in a feed trough of animals. Um, he's born in an unexpected place. Um, he's, got, he's born kind of in obscurity in a sense, Yet what else is there about his birth? There's these announcements of he's a great king. And there's glory announced to heaven. But who's that announcement given to? It's given to lowly shepherds. So we have this mix of humility, of humbleness, and great glory going on right at the beginning of Jesus' life and now as we come to the end of Jesus' life on Palm Sunday. So that's really interesting. And this, uh, some of these connections continue throughout Jesus' ministry as well. Uh, if you read on farther in Luke chapter 2, uh, Jesus is taken to the temple as a baby by his parents. And there they meet someone named Simeon. And Simeon is an old prophet and priest, and he's been waiting to see God's Messiah, to see God's salvation. And he's hoping uh, that he'll be able to see that before he dies. And when he sees the baby Jesus... He goes over to the parents and he takes the baby in his arms. And this is just part of what he says. He says, Master, he's talking to God, you are now dismissing your servant in peace. There's peace again, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So you see those connections again. We've got peace and glory, and if you remember to our Servant Song series, you should hear these familiar words about him being a light for revelation to the Gentiles. So all these connections are coming in. He sees a little baby, and Simeon says, thank you, God, because I have seen your salvation. Has he actually seen it? Well, in the baby Jesus, he has, even though physically around him, he wouldn't necessarily be able to say that, but he's able to say it because he sees Jesus, which is quite interesting, isn't it? Because now salvation is in this individual Jesus, not just in the external circumstances around us. And it's still the same for us. As we gaze upon Jesus, as we see Jesus, we see God's salvation. So Jesus has these humble beginnings. He's just a little baby. He's born in Bethlehem and uh, there's shepherds involved in the story, and there's an old man who's saying, I've seen your salvation. There's this mix of glory and humbleness. We get another connection as we move into Jesus' life. Uh, as he gets older, 
he goes to John the Baptist to get baptized. And uh, I want to talk to you just a little bit about this phrase at the very end of our story today and its connection that it may have to something that uh, John the Baptist was talking about. So John the Baptist uh, would talk about repentance, and he talked about bearing fruit that's worthy of repentance, which, which kind of means you need to have your life needs to show forth this internal change that we have. Repentance is kind of an internal change uh, from our life that where we turn away from God. He wants us to turn back to God. That's kind of the idea behind repentance. And when he talks about bearing fruit that is worthy of repentance, when we have that internal change, it should start to show in the way we live our life. That's what John the Baptist was talking about. And the people in that time were relying quite a bit on their own ancestry. Like, we are children of Abraham, people would say. And so we're fine with God. We don't have to worry. And one of the things that John the Baptist said was in Luke 3, verse 8, he said, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not begin to say, for your, say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, like as though you're safe because of that. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Okay? So if God wanted to, he could turn stones into his own children, is what John is saying, which is, which is kind of crazy. Um, and then we get this great little passage at the end of our story today in Luke 19. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, so everyone's making this big commotion like we were, right? Hosanna and uh, praise God and all of this stuff. Hosanna means the Lord saves. So they're shouting out the Lord saves and they're waving palm branches and they're laying down coats, this great big welcome. And what do the Pharisees say? They go up to Jesus and they say, teacher, order your disciples to stop. Stop making so much noise and having a big parade. And Jesus answers them, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. Isn't that interesting? Same kind of thing. If God wanted to, God would make the stones praise Jesus because he needs to be praised. He is worthy of praise and glory. Even the stones would shout out. Isn't that great? Just the way John the Baptist said, God can make children out of stones. God can make children out of any of us. God can include any of us, was what he was saying. And now, look, anyone on the road can praise Jesus. You can't stop them. If you stop them, the rocks would just start praising him. So they're going to continue. The people who are going to praise Jesus are going to praise Jesus. That's what Jesus says. So that, I thought that was a neat little connection. Um, the last one that I want to share with you and then we're uh, going to continue with our offering and our a little more singing. Uh, the last thing I want to share, that's uh, the first thing that the crowd shouts out as Jesus comes in. Besides the Hosanna and besides the peace in heaven and glory in heaven on high, um, they say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Or blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a quote, actually, from Psalm 118, from verse 26 of that psalm. And that particular psalm is what's called a Hallel psalm. And that Hallel is just a, the Hebrew for praise. It's a psalm of praise. But there's specific 
Hallel Psalms, Psalms 113 to 118, so this is the last of them, and they were used regularly by the Jewish people. Um, usually they were sung uh, as praise, kind of like sung prayers of praise, and they were sung at specific times during the year, um, but also just any time. Um, so, but they were used a lot at Jewish festivals. And so they're coming up to Passover when Jesus rides in uh, on Palm Sunday, and everybody knew the words to these, uh, these songs. They just had them memorized because they do them every year. They do them at all these festivals. Um, so it's like songs that we know really well. You can sing all of the lyrics to them, no problem. Um, these are like that for the Jewish people, these Hallel Psalms. Um, and so it's not uh, unusual for them to be shouting out from that song or to be singing as Jesus came in. Um, that's a pretty normal thing. And in fact, they may have, we just have this little snippet recorded, but they may have been singing the entire song, right? They might have just been, because obviously as Jesus is walking in, there's a bigger road than we have here. And we were able to shout out Hosanna quite a bit just in that little short distance. These people would have been singing and shouting for a long time. So they would have said other things. So they might not have just stopped at, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They might have said the whole psalm or sung the whole psalm. And uh, so I want to read to you a little bit from Psalm 118, just uh, from verse 19 to 29, um, which is uh, where we have this section. And I want you to listen carefully to this psalm because the connections to Jesus' life in this little section of the psalm are just so remarkable. So imagine the people singing this as Jesus is riding on the donkey, and how many of them might have known uh, what they were really singing about? Probably not a lot, but how many of them a week later, or a few weeks later, or a few months later would look back on that day and realize, oh, Jesus is fulfilling what we'd sang about that day. Um, so listen to the connections that are in that psalm. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I mean, already, that's, not, like, that's just maybe talking about us and heaven and, and God. But could it also be talking about Jesus is coming up to a city and there's the gate? Isn't that interesting? I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. Just like Simeon said. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, or Hosanna. We beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. He has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen.